My name's Sam. I'm married to Mark, who beautifully led us in worship this morning. And um, we are the campus pastors at our livable campus. Um, we were a part of this campus for a really, really long time. And um, almost just over 12 months. So it's been, we've been over there for 54 Sundays now. Um, and it's a privilege to do life over there. Um, it's doing really well. The congregation, congregation's doing really well. We have a really um, great family of believers there and um, passionate for Jesus and passionate about reaching our community of Prestons. Although we are Liverpool, LifeGate Liverpool, we're really in Prestons. And um, so we are really keen to, to reach our community. One of the things we did in the first week of the school holidays is a holiday club. And um, I wanted to just take 30 seconds to say thank you to those who sent their kids to that um, and supported that. And also just to, um, to say that we have an incredible kids ministry as a church. Under Kath, um, she has done an exceptional job at setting up kids ministry and um, some of you might know Laura Lee, she's married to Alex Lee and she just did a brilliant, brilliant job at leading a team and gathering um, kids together and we had 30 kids and almost half of them were non-churched kids. Stu the chef preached the gospel and it was just a really, really wonderful time. So be encouraged. Thank you for praying. Um, be encouraged that God is doing something really awesome um, amongst our kids' ministry. And um, I think Kath is here somewhere. Thank you, Kath. You are wonderful. We love you. Thank you for setting up an exceptional kids' ministry. And um, we know we're going to see great results for many, many, many decades because of what Kath and her team have set up. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that um, we get to be here. God, it is a privilege to be able to gather in your house and to be able to worship and pray together. May we never take this for granted. And God, we just pray now that your Holy Spirit would come and, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the title of my message this morning is What It Really Means to Worship the Lord. Over the last couple of weeks, hopefully you've heard information and some stories about an organization called Transform Cambodia. Here is a photo that we took when we were there a couple of weeks ago of us walking into Centre 33. If you haven't been here over the last few weeks and you have no idea what I'm talking about, then let me just help you get on the page. Um, Transform Cambodia was started in 2006 after its founders witnessed children um, basically living on rubbish tips in, um, in the city of Phnom Penh, which is in Cambodia. These children had no access to education and little hope for a better life. So in partnership with the parents, the founders started the very first centre with 85 kids. They started to educate them, to feed them, to clothe them, to tell them about Jesus. And today they have 3,300 kids in their program with 33 centres across Phnom Penh. When we were there a few weeks ago, we witnessed firsthand just how incredible this organisation is. They are literally taking kids who are among the poorest of the poor 
putting them in this program and changing lives. These kids are being educated, they're being clothed, they're being fed, and they are becoming passionate followers of Jesus. And I mean passionate. When we asked, um, when someone was asked to pray in one of these centres, you couldn't actually hear the person who was asked to pray because everybody prays. So if you imagine a bunch of six-year-olds with their hands raised praying, just passionate about Jesus. And so we've been given this opportunity to go on a journey with this centre to commit to the lives of a group of children and to financially partner with them, to prayerfully partner with them and to believe with them that they are blessed and that they are equipped to be the future leaders of Cambodia. And the the founders of Transform Cambodia believe that, believe that these kids can grow up to change their nation. And these kids are growing up to believe that they can grow up to change their nation. But why, would, why should we, a church that is 7,000 kilometres from Phnom Penh, why should we be concerned about what's going on over there? Why should we get involved? Why should we get involved with Transform Cambodia or Operation Amore, as you saw um, last week when Tim was here? or Operation Christmas Child, when we're filling our boxes with with gifts for kids. Why should we be concerned or get involved? I'm just going to leave that question hanging for a moment and let you in on something about me. Now, this might come as a surprise to you. Are you ready? This might be shocking for you. I'm super passionate about worship. I love spending time worshipping God. I love what we get to do here on a Sunday. It's my most favourite thing. I love being able to gather together as the body, honouring God, adoring God, singing praises, worshipping him. I love it. I love Sundays. I love the body of Christ gathering as a congregation, bringing worth, bringing adoration, bringing praise, bringing exaltation to our incredible God. It says in Isaiah 58, 6 to 9, I tell you what it means to really worship the Lord. Remove the chains of prisoners who are chained unjustly. Free those who are abused. Share your food with everyone who is hungry. Share your home with the poor and the homeless. Give, those, give clothes to those in need. Don't turn away your relatives. You know, I believe that God adores and loves our worship. I believe that he loves when we open our mouths and we speak and we, we sing and we give him our, our praise, our adoration, when we give him our honour. But worship is never true worship unless it changes the one who is giving the worship. Let me say that again. Worship is never true worship unless we are being changed by the one we are worshipping. And when we truly draw near to God, the scriptures say that he draws near to us. 
And when he draws near to us, his characteristics, who he is, begins to rub off on us and we become more and more and more like him. And guess what? Our God is a God who is deeply passionate, compassionate and cares for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed and the captive. If you spend time reading your Bible, you will find that God gives his attention to the poor, that he sets time aside to focus in scripture on his heart for the poor and how he would like us to respond. God has a bias towards the poor. Here's a couple of scriptures for you. The first one, Proverbs 19.17. It says, He who is gracious and lends a hand to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his good deed. Here's another one from Proverbs. He who oppresses the poor taunts and insults his maker. But he who is kind and merciful and gracious to the needy honors God. I want to honor God. That sounds like an act of worship to me, honoring God. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plea plead the widow's cause. Here's another one from 1 John. If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? I'm not making this stuff up. Here's another one. Proverbs 31.9. Speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the down and outers. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and the destitute. In fact... There are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that either talk about the poor, poverty, or how God wants us to respond to those needs in our world. I've got a little photo of um, us. I've lost the click on that. Can you give me a hand? Here's a very terrible photo of us on our way to, um, to Cambodia a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, now, I was stuck in the middle of these two bullfeds. And so knowing this in advance, I came prepared. So I took with me some noise-cancelling earplugs. Th- these aren't, aren't them, but... Noise cancelling earplugs that I could stick in my ears. And then I also took an eye mask. I might not put that over my glasses. There we go. Here we go. So I put these on not long after we got on the plane because I figured that the earplugs and the eye mask would block out Nathan and Mark. And I would hopefully be able to get some sleep. You see, because when you're on a flight for like eight or so hours, you don't want any inconvenient sounds or sights, do you? But um, what I hadn't taken into consideration is just how small the Air Asia seats are 
And so why I did a really good job with my earplugs and my eye mask at blocking out the sights and the sounds, I could do very little about the fact that they were touching me. <laughs> and they were way too close for comfort and um, not a lot of sleep happened. But that's beside the point. Back to my earplugs and my mask. They did a really good job at blocking out the sights and the sounds of our air Asia flight. And, you know, I reckon sometimes we would like to be able to block out the sights and the sounds of the injustice in our world. It can be rather inconvenient to have to see and hear it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably had moments where we just prefer to stick the earplugs in, stick the eye mask over our, over our eyes so that we don't have to see and hear it. Because let's be honest, sometimes it's really overwhelming. We might feel like it's somebody else's problem. Or maybe we're just too busy. We're too busy to see and to deal with it. But I thank God that he doesn't own any noise-canceling earplugs. He doesn't own an eye mask. He doesn't block out the sights and the sounds of injustice in our world. He hears the audible cries and he sees the needs of the people that he created. From babies to whole nations, God hears the cries of injustice. I want to take you to two examples of this from Scripture. Maddie, I'm going to need you to help me. Thanks. In Genesis 21.17, we hear about Hagar. And she leaves her son to die under a bush in the desert because there's no food, there's no water for him. And she walks away because she couldn't bear to see him die. Can you imagine the heartache of that mum as she walks away thinking, I'm about to leave my child under a tree to starve to death? But God, but God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. One boy dying in the desert and God heard his cry and God intervened. Then we see God intervene for an entire nation in Exodus when the people are in slavery, when the Israelites are in slavery. God declares that I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. A nation crying out. God hears them. God sees their suffering and God intervenes. And just as God saw and heard the cries of injustice in the past, he continues to see it today. But you know what? He also caused you and he caused me to open our eyes and to open our ears to what is going on around us. The word injustice gets thrown around a lot. You know, we might think it's injustice when someone cuts us off in traffic or when someone gets a promotion that we deserve or when someone cuts in line in us when we're waiting at Coles or Woolies 
But injustice according to the scriptures is an abuse of power. It's when someone takes away another's life, freedom, dignity, or the fruits of their labor. It has a particular reference to the unequal distribution of rights, property, and privileges among those who should have equal claims. I want to show you a quick video in a moment about an example of injustice that is a reality for millions of people around the world today. In this video, you're going to see a story of a young girl who's offered a job in America. But what she soon discovers is that rather than having a a job that she's going to get paid for, she's been trafficked into domestic slavery. Let's have a look at this. What you've just seen is one of a number of videos that have been made by an organization called A21. And they're aiming to shine a light on one aspect of injustice that exists in our world, human trafficking that results in slavery. Modern day slavery exists in the form of forced labor, forced begging and forced prostitution. And it's estimated that 27 million people today are living in slavery. These people have lost their rights, their freedom, their dignity, and the fruits of their labor. How do we respond when we hear something like that? Here's a picture that Mark took when we were in um, Cambodia of one of the slums that we walked through. It's estimated that approximately 2 million people live in conditions like this in Cambodia. To give you a clearer picture of what a slum looks like or the one that we walked through, I've got just a 30-second little video that Mark took while we were there. What you've just seen, just to give you a bit of context, is the bald-headed guy. His name is Mr. Mark, and he's talking about... um, Uh, Transform Cambodia's plan to bring Christmas parties into the slums. So for the last 13 years, what they've done is that the the kids and their families that are a part of the the program come into the centre for a Christmas party. And so this year, they're sort of turning that on its head. And the kids and the families of the centre are taking Christmas parties into the slums. So what you can see there, that picture, they're literally going to bring in a stage and... Cambodians love to dance, so they will dance on that stage and they will tell the, the gospel and give gifts to, to families living in the slums. So having a look at that picture of, of the way that 2 million people in Cambodia are living, but if you drive a little bit down the road, you don't really need to go far, and you start to see the changing landscape of Cambodia with these beautiful high-rises going up. Overseas investors are pouring money into the city and it means big bucks for the government. So the leaders of the government are getting rich as investors are coming in and building these beautiful high-rise buildings. And two million people are living 
literally on rubbish dumps. Unequal distribution of resources. Poverty, property, privileges and an unjust system makes it almost impossible for circumstances to change. And the result is you've got extreme poverty more or less living side by side with extreme wealth. And this story is repeated over and over in many other countries. How do we respond? How do we respond when we see stuff like that? I'll tell you what it means to worship the Lord. Remove the chains of prisoners who are chained unjustly. Free those who are abused. Share your food with everyone who is hungry. Share your home with the poor and homeless. Give clothes to those in need. Don't turn away your relatives. How do we respond? Scripture's pretty clear. It says, remove the chains. Free those who are abused. Share your food. Give clothes. Don't turn away. These are all action words. These are all words calling us to take action. That's our response. Now, the need is huge, and it's so easy for us to get bogged down in numbers like millions, 27 million. But, you know, God isn't asking us to do everything. He's asking us to do something. Which is why we as a church are giving you options to partner with organizations who we know and we trust and who we believe are doing an amazing job at taking action. It says in Amos 5.24, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Now imagine a river for a moment. A river is what happens when many drops come together and begin to flow. And when I think of justice rolling on like a river, I think of lots of people doing their bit, using what they have in order to take action. So that might mean that you grab your old clothes, you put them in a box, and Tim sends them over to the Philippines. That's one way that we can take action. That might mean that you grab a a shoebox and you fill it with some gifts and we send it to another country through Operation Christmas Child. That's another way that we can do our little bit. It might mean that you, when you're at Coles or Woolies, you grab some extra cans and you bring them and you give them to Jordan and he pops them in the pantry and he uses them for LifeGate care. That's another way that we can take action and do our bit and be a drop in the ocean. Or it might mean that you have the capacity to sponsor a child through Transform Cambodia. That's another option. All different levels that we can get involved depending on our means, depending on where we're at in the season of life that we're in right now. But I would dare say it's not okay for us to just sit with our hands under our bottoms and do nothing. 
because I don't find that in Scripture. Mother Teresa said, we ourselves feel that what we are doing is just a drop in the ocean, but the ocean would be less because of that missing drop. We need your drop. Your drop matters. Each of us have a part to play so that justice can roll on like a river. So what action is God asking you to take? It might seem small, but when we all take small actions, we can make a big impact. To close this morning, I'd love to encourage you in one other way that we can take action. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at our Prayer with Purpose series. And, you know, I'm convinced that our most powerful weapon that we have against injustice in our world is prayer. That when we partner with God, when we rise up, when we believe, God can move mountains. So let's be known as a, as a church, as a people who choose to rise up and to pray for freedom, to pray that the captives are set free and that those who are oppressed are set free. Let's pray for corrupt governments around the world to do the right thing and for, and for leaders to have softened hearts towards the people that they lead. Let's pray for those kids, a part of the Transform Cambodia program, particularly those in Centre 33, which we've been talking about sponsoring. Let's pray that they would grow up knowing that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who is for them, and who will equip them to make a difference in their nation. And let's pray that there would be a mighty move of the Spirit of God over our nation, over Cambodia, and like, let's maybe dare to say, the world, and for God to move. And lastly, let's pray for us. Pray for the person next to you. Give them a little poke, make sure they're still awake. Let's pray that our Christianity would never be contained to these four walls, but that we would always be willing to invite God to draw near to us, to change us, to become more like him, for our hearts to be softened, for our hearts to be changed, and that we would be people who are serious about taking action against injustice as an act of worship. Amen? As the worship team comes up, I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that your ears and your eyes are open. God, I thank you that you, do, you never choose to look away. And God, I thank you that you have called us to partner with you. Father, I pray that as individuals and as a church, we would be committed to, to being serious in our worship, that, God, our, our, our worship would lead us to action. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw near to us, that our hearts would be drawn towards you, God, and that you would change us. God, may our Christianity never be confined to these four walls, but may we always be looking out. God, I thank you for these organizations that you've brought across our path. God, we thank you that they are led by godly men and women. 
And Father, we pray that you would empower the leaders to do greater things in Jesus' name. God, we pray for the kids that are being impacted by these programs. And Father, we do pray that they would grow up knowing that there's a God in heaven that loves them, is for them, and that you will equip them to do immeasurably more than they could ever dream or imagine. Thank you for using us to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.